Welcome back to another episode from the dark side to all you true crime fans. I'm your host, Sherry. Today's case comes from the state of Florida. A man who is down on his luck and not able to make ends meet wins $31 million from the lottery. Months later, he tells friends that he wishes he never won at all. Eventually, he will go missing. At the time, some believed that he disappeared on his own just to get away. Others believe that he was murdered. This case is solved, and it was not the outcome everyone was hoping for. As always, my sources are in the description area. This is episode 77, The Case of Abraham Shakespeare. The story begins in 2006. Google purchased YouTube. The Pittsburgh Steelers were the Super Bowl champs. Pluto was downgraded to a dwarf planet. Saddam Hussein was executed. Americans were tuning in every week for American Idol. The world lost our beloved crocodile hunter, Steve Irwin. And lastly, Barry Bonds passed Babe Ruth with the most home runs. This story is about a man named Abraham Shakespeare. Can I just say how cool of a name that is? He was born April 24, 1966, and was 40 years old at the time the story begins. He is six foot five and 190 pounds. Abraham had dropped out of the seventh grade because his family was struggling and he wanted to work to help pay for things. He spent a good bit of his childhood in juvenile reform school. Because of his lack of an education, he has trouble reading and writing. Abraham had some run-ins with the law. He drove without a license. He was arrested for burglary. He was arrested for assault. He did some time in prison for various arrests and went to live with his mom when he was released. He has a son that he pays child support for since him and the mother were not together. Abraham still was in constant contact with his son and visited him often. At the time of this story in 2006, Abraham is working off and on as a laborer for a temp agency making $8 an hour. With this temp agency, he's basically hired for day labor at various businesses. He was a garbage man one day, a dishwasher the next. He has no car, no driver's license, no credit cards, no savings. He doesn't even have a bank account, and he's $6,000 behind in child support payments. Abraham is also illiterate. He has trouble reading and writing, even simple words. Abraham is known to be a good person at heart, and he's very involved in his son's life. Friends say he was very generous. If you needed the shirt off his back, he would give it to you. He was helpful and always looking out for others. On November 15, 2006, Abraham's job for now is a truck driver's assistant. Basically, he is going to ride with a truck driver to do an overnight food delivery to a few restaurants. Once they get to the assigned location, Abraham helps unload the truck. The driver he is going to be riding with is a man named Michael Ford, a man who he had ridden with many times before. 
they have to make this delivery to Miami. So they hop in the truck and make a delivery to two locations before stopping at a convenience store in a town in Florida. The name of this convenience store is the Town Star Mini Mart. Michael Ford gets out of the truck and asks Abraham if he wanted anything from the store, like a soda or cigarettes or whatever, he's just going to run inside. Abraham tells Michael he wants two lottery tickets. Just get the quick picks. Quick picks are where the numbers are randomly selected for you. Michael walked into the store, returning a few minutes later with his purchases, and he handed Abraham his two lottery tickets. Abraham hands him $2. This is basically all the money he has. Abraham was broke. Later that night, Abraham is watching the TV as the numbers are drawn. First 6, and then 12, 13, 34, 42, and finally 52. He quickly realizes he's won, but it's one of those things where he wants to make sure it's really true. It's almost too good to believe. I can see myself being the exact same way, and back then you couldn't pause the TV and rewind it to check. This was Wednesday night when the lottery drawing took place. So on Friday morning, he is at the Florida Lottery Office ready to turn in his winning lottery ticket. The total amount won was $31 million. If you've been with me since I started this podcast back in 2020, you may remember me covering a story about the curse of the lottery winners. That was back before I had the whole recording set up and I cringe listening to it, but it was a really informative story and I've come a long way since then. I talked about how 90% of lottery winners go broke in the first three years. Abraham is going to go down a path he never envisioned starting right now. At one point, he says he wished he never won the money and he wanted his old life back. Abraham says he'll go public. His picture is taken with this huge check and some of his family members. His name is all over the place. He opted to take the lump sum. Instead of receiving $1.5 million each year and paying taxes on it every year, he opted to take the $17 million all at once. After millions of dollars in taxes, his $17 million went to $11 million. Abraham walked into that office with nothing. He walked out with $11 million. This is where the trouble began. Abraham was extremely generous to a lot of folks. He bought himself some things as well. This is a complete opposite life that Abraham was used to. Just weeks before, he barely had more than a few dollars on him at all times. According to the Tampa Bay Times, the first thing that happened once Abraham is wired the money was the state took the $6,000 that he owed in back child support. Abraham put $1 million in a trust for his son. He gave his stepfather $1 million. He gave his three stepsisters each $250,000 each. He paid off a friend's mortgage, which was $185,000. He paid $60,000 to an acquaintance to pay off his mortgage. He paid $53,000 to another man he barely knew to pay off his mortgage. People were coming to him with sob stories, and and Abraham, he knows what it's like to go without, and he would help them. A close friend said it was like the whole community won the lottery. He gave a loan to a friend named Greg, who owned a barber shop. He had given Abraham a job for a bit when Abraham was poor. He had paid Abraham to sweep and clean up the shop. 
Abraham found a house for $125,000, which he isn't going to live in. He just bought it so he could rent it to someone who needed somewhere to live, someone he had only met once. He gave his brother's son's best friend $40,000, and the friend's mom and sister received $12,000 and $10,000. He paid for funerals of people he didn't know. He's like Santa Claus and just giving money away. He should have had a financial planner. That's a tip here. If you ever win the lottery, definitely seek out a financial planner. This person will allot you a certain amount of money to spend and invest the rest so you don't go broke. Just make sure you have plenty of references for this person. He went from having manageable expenses to having multiple mortgages he was responsible for and managing loans to people. It's a lot for one person, especially one who isn't used to having any kind of real money. He bought himself a new pickup truck, a new BMW, and a new house. The house was in a gated community, and he paid $1.1 million for it. I saw a lot of pictures of it, and I thought it was worth much more than that. It was absolutely beautiful. It's near a horse farm and only 10 miles from where Abraham lived when he was poor. Abraham has this huge house and nice cars and possessions, and life is good. But slowly he begins to realize that people were using him. He told his brother, I'd have been better off broke, and told a childhood friend, I thought all these people were my friends, but then I realized all they want is just money. The house came with a little house next door, which he wanted to move his mother into. She declined, though. She didn't want anything to do with the house, almost like she knew one day he would go broke and not be able to afford the taxes and home insurance on it. She wanted to stay in her regular home. Just three months after he won, Abraham is informed that he is being sued. Why would anyone want to sue this man who is being so generous with his money and buying shit for everyone? It was Michael Ford, the man who was the truck driver he had been riding with that night. The man who walked into the store and picked up the two tickets for Abraham. Well, Mr. Michael Ford has a lawyer beside him and says he's entitled to all the money that Abraham has already spent and whatever he has left. I told you about how Abraham had given Michael his last $2 and Michael was in the store and he had purchased the two lottery tickets. Well, Michael says that's not what happened at all. According to an article by Marissa Green for The Ledger, Michael alleges that he bought the lottery tickets for himself. He put them in the overhead compartment of the truck the two men were using. He says Abraham had access to that overhead compartment when Michael wasn't in the truck. Michael says Abraham stole the lottery tickets. To me, lottery tickets would seem like an odd thing to steal. 99% of the time, they're losers. Just one day after Abraham had won, Michael came to Abraham's house and asked him for $1 million since he was the person who actually walked in and bought the ticket. Abraham says no, he's not going to give him a million dollars. This pissed Michael off, so Michael concocted this story about Abraham stealing the ticket from him. Abraham denies this allegation and says he is filing a bogus claim. That man knows I don't owe him no money. Abraham says this is completely false, and he never said that. He paid for those tickets, not Michael. Michael says he believes he has a case and could take Abraham to court. Abraham told him if he thinks he has a case, then go on and go to court then. Abraham wants Michael to have to take a lie detector test because he insists he bought those tickets, not Michael. Abraham actually brought in a garbage bag full of old lottery tickets into the courtroom to show the jury that he is a regular lottery player. 
And just to skip ahead, in October 2007, a jury ruled in Abraham's favor. He won, but he had to spend a good bit in legal fees. He even said that if Michael wouldn't have done what he did, Abraham had had plans to hook him up with money since he was with him that day. Not the $1 million he asked for, but he was going to give him something. But since he lied, he's not going to give him anything. This makes me feel weird. In fact, everything about the lottery makes me feel weird. If Michael had one and all the money was awarded to him, how would you feel spending that money knowing you lied about the whole thing? Like, yeah, you got money, but at what cost? And the whole thing is just icky and I don't like it. Abraham is living in his new house and there's always people there. Sleeping on couches, partying, eating his food, asking for money. Abraham has a girlfriend named Santoria and she becomes pregnant. She and the baby, who is a little boy, eventually moved out and into an apartment since the partying and all the women hanging around him were just too much for her. There is a woman that Abraham is going to meet in April of 2008, a woman by the name of Dee Dee Moore. Let's go over some background info on this woman. Her name is Doris Moore, but she goes by Dee Dee. Dee Dee Moore is a woman who is known for scheming and lying. She grew up poor, not poor like Abraham, but middle to lower class. She began noticing while she's growing up that other friends had nicer houses and their parents drove better cars, so she wanted that life. She even made her mom drop her off down the street from the school so her friends didn't see their car. Unlike Abraham, who worked to provide for himself by making an honest living, she schemed and she swindled. She once had an honest job working as a CNA, but soon turned to other ways to make a living. She probably could have been a great businesswoman if she just obeyed the law and did things legally. She was arrested in 1999 for shoplifting, and then in 2001, she was arrested for writing a large check to the tax collector's office, which ended up being worthless, and she was sentenced to probation for that. She falsely reported being raped once and even staged the scene by wrapping her wrists with ties and putting herself in a ditch. She was convicted of insurance fraud and falsely reporting a crime. She was sentenced to a year of probation. She started her own business selling prepaid Nextel phones. Back then, cell phone businesses aren't what they are today. They were these prepaid cellular stores popping up all over the place. She was investigated by Nextel for fraud and was ordered not to sell Nextel phones any longer. In 2002, Dee Dee and her husband file for bankruptcy. So it got rid of $21,000 that she owed to a radio station for advertising. Um, it got rid of back rent that she owed to a landlord, plus money she had taken from people claiming that she would put it towards these like startup businesses for them. She had quite a few civil suits pending against her that she was able to get rid of just by filing for bankruptcy, including one of them, which was for $600,000 that she took from a couple and they never got their money back. In 2004, Dee Dee opened an LLC called Medical American Professionals. It's a medical staffing company, and Dee Dee is making a salary of $200,000 a year. And this could have been an honest living, for, honest living for her with a great salary. Dee Dee had another company just like this years before, but she was investigated for fraud because she was overpaying her staff. Basically, she would process their paychecks and put extra in there, but it wasn't going to them. It appeared like it was, but it was actually going in her pocket. 
But before she could go to court, the building caught fire and all the documents were destroyed in this fire. And that's pretty convenient if you ask me. Dee Dee and her husband then separate. I guess he's getting a little tired of all the fraud. <laughs> and she then begins dating a man who is 11 years younger than her named Shar. Around this time in 2006 is when Dee Dee was introduced to a man named Abraham Shakespeare. She met him through a mutual friend who was the realtor who sold Abraham his house. Dee Dee and Abraham got along well. They were very different personality-wise, but became friends. Dee Dee asked Abraham if she could possibly write a book about him, his story of growing up poor and trying to survive as an adult and then going from rags to riches by winning the lottery. Abraham is down to less than $2 million. He tells Dee Dee all about the people who have used him and borrowed money, and he can't even keep track of who got what, who owes him what. He even had to change his phone number. He is tired. Dee Dee sees this as an opportunity to make her move. She plays this role of being super worried and concerned about him, and she offers to be in charge of his finances. She had the potential of being a good businesswoman, like I mentioned before. She's smart, but we know that's not who Dee Dee is. She's manipulative. She has an answer for everything. She knows how to buck the system really well and get around things. She tells him this is a really dire situation. Let's put the book writing aside for now and just get to work on getting your money back. Abraham trusts Dee Dee. He allows her to be in charge of his funds. He has no experience with this and he can't read or write. He really thinks this woman is his hero. She figures out that he has $1.3 million left in cash and around $3.5 million in assets. She had Abraham liquidate an annuity account with $250,000. The reason for this is that she is going to pay his taxes, but she never paid his taxes. Instead, it went into her American Medical Professionals account. She figures out how much he has given out in loans, and she's going to go around and collect or at least set up like payment plans with individuals so that he can start collecting his money back. She walks through his old hood, and she stands out like a sore thumb. People in the city see her and refer to her as that white lady. Some of his friends even tell them there is something up with that white lady. Maybe you need to be careful with her in your business like she is. Next, all of Abraham's assets were signed over to her. I don't know if she gets, you know, if she asked him to do it or if she lied to him about what he was signing, but everything gets signed over to Dee Dee. All the houses and cars and accounts now belong to Dee Dee. All of this was sold to her for $850,000, which we doubt she even paid. Dee Dee lives in that big house of Abraham's now, and she owns several high-dollar cars and SUVs. She even bought her boyfriend, Char, a brand-new Corvette. The check that was written for the car came from the medical professionals group. In February 2009, she opened an investment fund with Abraham to put a lot of his money into to build interest. She titled it Abraham Shakespeare LLC, but it lists Dee Dee as the owner and Abraham as just an authorized signer. Big difference between the two. Dee Dee just weeks later removed Abraham from the account. She transferred the money from that account to her medical staffing account, and then she closed the LLC. Abraham is beginning to be available to others less and less. People stopped hearing from him, including his own mom. 
he wasn't even visiting his sons, which is unreal because Abraham was a great dad. He was very involved in their lives. It's August 2009 at this point, and no one has physically seen him since April. So it's been about four months. But no one has gone to police yet because Abraham is still text messaging his family and friends. They are long, detailed text messages about how he's doing just fine and staying away from others for now. The problem here is that Abraham can't read or write. In fact, his family says that when you text Abraham, he always just calls you right back. His ex-girlfriend, Centoria, says she used to have to read the text messages out loud to him. But he suddenly has the ability to text people with perfect English and punctuation. His mom feels a little better when his cousin Cedric stopped by her house and showed him a card he had gotten for his birthday from Abraham that had $100 in it. He didn't say if Abraham delivered it to him or if it came in the mail. He just ignored the question. Three months later, this is November 2009, Cedric, his cousin, files a missing person report with the police, but that's all he does. He doesn't want to be involved or ask questions. He's clearly uncomfortable, and I'll get to why soon. The police get wind of Dee Dee Moore, so they do an informal interview with her. They want to know how she managed to get all of Abraham's assets, and there's no proof of her doing this. She tells them, oh, it's because I paid him in cash. She also said she had Abraham removed from the LLC account because he didn't want to have to pay taxes. Also, the reason why she is in possession of his accounts was because he didn't want to pay child support. I told you guys, she can come up with an answer on the fly. Like, she's like the world's most professional liar. By late November, Abraham is listed by police as an official missing person. On December 27, 2009, Dee Dee asks Abraham's mother if she wanted to go out to lunch at Cracker Barrel. While eating, Abraham's mom received a call. And a man says, hello, mom, I'm doing just fine. She said, you don't sound like my son. Plus, there was a lot of noise in the background. He says he's sick and has a cold, and that's why he sounds different. Eventually, we learn that the person who made that call was not Abraham. Surprise, surprise. We learn that it was his old buddy, Greg Smith. Remember the guy who had the barbershop and gave Abraham a job cleaning years ago? Greg goes to police and tells them that it was eating at him. He says Dee Dee paid him hundreds of dollars to make that phone call. He believed he was doing something good for his friend because Abraham had moved away and didn't want to be bothered by anyone. He felt by putting his mom at ease that that would be a noble thing. It's not, but he thought it was. We also learned that that birthday card that his cousin Cedric brought to Abraham's mom, he was paid hundreds of dollars by Dee Dee to say it was from him. We also learned that she offered Centoria, his son's mother, a very large amount of money, around $200,000, to tell police she saw Abraham when he stopped by her house recently. Centoria, being a young mom with a baby who could really use the money, instead takes this info to police. Can I say how awesome she is for doing that? Dee Dee was even lying to her and saying Abraham had ran off with some lady from the bank to make her madder at him, but she still declined. The detectives tell Greg Smith, all right, you want to make this right? Wear a wire. Be an informant for us, a confidential informant. Help us put this woman away, and more importantly, find your friend Abraham. So Greg befriends Dee Dee and earns her trust, all while wearing a wire. 
They now have audio of Dee Dee telling Greg that Abraham left town. He doesn't want to be contacted. That's the reason why no one has heard from him. She says she is just trying to buy time until he resurfaces. According to an article in the ledger, Greg meets with Dee Dee lots of times. They're friends now. Greg and Dee Dee are sitting in a car and he's got his wire on. Police are listening to everything that's happening in that car. Greg tells her, look, I have a friend who's getting ready to go to jail for 25 years with no chance of parole. This is for drug charges. He will take the rap and the blame for Abraham's death for $50,000. Until now, Didi had never mentioned Abraham was dead, just that he had disappeared. Didi says she didn't do anything, but she was interested in meeting with this friend of his. This friend was actually going to be an undercover police officer. She tells Greg that a drug dealer named Ronald may be responsible for Abraham's death. This is odd because Abraham was not a drug user. Before the meeting with this fake friend of Greg's that's supposedly going away for 25 years, Greg tells Dee Dee he needs her to be truthful with him. So she tells Greg that Abraham is dead. He asks her, where is Abraham buried? He says he needs to first move the body for some reason before his buddy will take the rap, so you got to tell me where Abraham's buried. He says, reach out to Ronald and find out. Greg says he could dig up the body at night and move it. He gives Dee Dee a list of items he needs from Walmart to make this happen, such as a tarp, bleach, garbage bags, gloves. Dee Dee tells him where he can find the body. She even handed him a 38 revolver, which is believed to have been the murder weapon. The body was in the backyard of a house Dee Dee had purchased in Plant City. It was beneath a concrete slab. The detectives now have the location and they move in. They were finally able to get beneath the concrete slab and there was the six foot five inch remains of Abraham Shakespeare. He had been shot in the chest twice. This is January 2010. Abraham had been there since April of 2009. It will later come out that Dee Dee had hired her ex-husband to dig a hole in her backyard so she could hide large pieces of concrete from a house inspector. That's what she told him. That's why she needed a hole dug. She bought a backhoe three days before police believe was the day that Abraham died. Some of the folks who had been investigating this case were amateur detectives. So there is a website called Web Sleuths. Web Sleuths is ran by a woman named Trisha Griffith. It's where users can discuss true crime cases. And I cannot go on Web Sleuths or I will get sucked into some rabbit hole and I'll be up all night trying to investigate these cases. So I just avoid it completely. So Trisha, the owner, is an interesting character. I saw her on an episode of Web of Death. She explains the reason why she is so interested in true crime is because one time in 1974, she walked out of Fashion Place Mall in Murray, Utah. She was alone and only 15 years old. A man approached her asking for directions, and she said he was very handsome and charming, but she didn't get a good vibe, and she walked away and called her brother to come pick her up. Later, after seeing the news, she realizes it was Ted Bundy. I'm super glad she didn't engage with him or she could have been one of his victims, but that began Trisha's lifetime obsession with true crime. So some of the users on WebSleuths had heard about this missing lottery winner and began investigating. They even got one of the detectives on the case to assist them with their own private citizen investigation. 
They were super helpful and even featured on their own episode of a true crime TV series called Web of Death, where they talked about Abraham's case. It's quickly learned that this drug dealer named Ronald never existed. Police were able to determine that Dee Dee was the one who shot Abraham back in April. According to the assistant state's attorney, Abraham was beginning to figure out Dee Dee, and he was becoming aware of her schemes, and this pissed him off. Dee Dee denies that she was the one who shot Abraham, even claiming, quote, I would not have killed a man in the only carpeted room in the house. Come on, I'm a woman. Her attorney told the jury that his client was trying to help protect Abraham's assets from a pending child support case when he was killed by drug dealers. During her trial, she was scolded by the judge multiple times for intimidating jurors. She would make faces at them and they are disturbed and feel threatened. She even yelled out in court during witness testimony that these people were lying about her. The judge called her the most manipulative person he had ever seen. Dee Dee pled not guilty, but she was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Something that threw me off with this whole case is one of Abraham's friends, George Massey, said Abraham wasn't tired of people asking for money. He said Abraham thrived on that. He went from a nobody to somebody of importance. It makes me wonder if Dee Dee just told people that he was tired of being used. Many years later, in 2017, Antoinette Adams, who is the mother of Abraham's oldest son, won $1 million on a $20 scratch-off. Rest in peace to Abraham Shakespeare, who would only be 57 years old today in 2023. He was a loving, generous man who was missed by his family and his friends. That's it for this week, and I'll see you all again soon. Take care, and much love to you all.